0: Uh, so, we're in a series called Jesus, and uh, before I tell you the title of the message, you could go ahead, if you want to, turn to two passages of Scripture, and that's Hebrews 2 and Mark 6. So, we'll begin at Hebrews 2, and then we'll, we'll go over to Mark 6. Well, actually, from Hebrews 2, we'll go to chapter 4 also of Hebrews, then we'll go to Mark 6, then we'll go to Mark 3. So, they'll be real close, so we can, you can do that. So, Hebrews 2 and Mark 6. Um, this... Message about Jesus is different. We're going to be, we talked last week about him being uh, a builder, that he was building before he ever came to to earth, and he was building when he was on earth. He was a carpenter, and he's building today. We're going to talk some about that he's a teacher, that he was a teacher, he is a teacher, and he will be your teacher tomorrow. Uh, He's a healer. Uh, It's good that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But this message is a little different. I said to my family, "Um, I bet you can't guess what I'm going to teach you on this week. And they could not guess it. So then I said, I'll give you a hint. And uh, my son James was there. I'm preparing you now for something funny Um, (laughs) because he thinks differently sometimes. And so I said, this is the only thing that Jesus was when he was on this earth that he is not now. And my son James said, a water walker. (laughs) Okay, I think he could still walk on water if he wants to. But uh, my daughter-in-law, Bridget, got it. She said, a human. So this week, the title of the message is The Human. Now, I want to say again, I know that Jesus is not a human now. I know that. But he was a human for 33 and a half years, and there is something extremely important about him being a human. It is a a spiritual doctrine that we call identification. Uh, The world has learned about this, and let me give you probably the foremost example is it is also now a political strategy, and you've seen this before. Uh, a, a politician comes into town, I'm not trying to put down a politician at all, we need godly men and women serving in those areas. But a politician will come into town, and he'll meet with the bankers. And he'll have a suit on, and he'll say, uh, my father was a banker, so I understand you, and I feel your pain. And he'll, uh, he's identifying with them. And then he'll get in his limousine, and he'll change in the car, and he'll put on a, a factory coat and a hard hat, and he'll walk into a factory. And then he'll say, my father's brother's uncle was a factory worker. Now, now, this is the part I like. Therefore, I understand you. Yeah, sure, pal. Um, And then he will leave there, and he'll put on a pair of overalls, and he'll go meet with the farmers, right? And he'll say, my… Fathers, brunkle's uncles, sisters, mothers, friend was a farmer. Therefore, I understand you. And I feel your pain. And I, you, are you following me? It's a political strategy, it's called identification. Listen, Jesus did not settle for the illusion of identification. He became a human. And he lived, he was born, he was a toddler. He was in a family. He went to work when he got older. And so I wanna talk about that. So Hebrews chapter two, this first verse I wanna read out of the New Living Translation. So you may not have that translation, but just so you can see this, Hebrews two verse 14 says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, Jesus also became flesh and blood by being born in human form. So, he was a human on this earth. So, how does that help me now? Look on down in Hebrews chapter 2. We'll go back to the New King James Version now, uh, verse 17. I'm going to try to read it slowly because I want us to really catch it. Therefore, in all things, all things, he had to be made like his brethren, in other words, a human, that he might be merciful, a merciful and faithful, a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Verse 18, for in that he himself has suffered. He has suffered because he was a human. Being tempted, he is able to aid those who are Now, I just want you to notice, because he has suffered and was a human and was tempted, he's able to aid those who are tempted. So, I want to ask all of you a question, every campus, every affiliate church, I want you to raise your hand on this one. How many of you have ever been tempted? Okay. Good news. Our Lord was tempted, and good news, he is able to aid those who have been tempted. Would that be good if someone could help you through a temptation? Someone who's been there? All right, look at if you want to just go over maybe a page to chapter four, Hebrews chapter four, verses 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Now I want to stop just for a moment. That, it states that in the negative. We don't have one that can't. That means we do have one that can. We have a high priest that can sympathize with us. Because he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Notice it is not called a throne of judgment. The throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Okay, let me ask you again. You can raise your hands again. How many of you have ever had a need? Can I see your hand? Guess what? You can find help in time of need. Because you can come boldly to a throne of grace. And you can come boldly to that throne because Jesus is a merciful and sympathetic high priest. Now think about this, sympathetic. He understands what we're going through because he was a human. This is one of the most important things that I could preach to you. Jesus was a human. Uh, th- think about, let's say, if you're talking at a dinner party somewhere sometime, you're meeting new people, and then you just mention, you say, well, I, uh, I went through a bout with uh, cancer. And one of the persons that you've never met before says, I-, I, had, I had that same kind of cancer. Immediately, there's a bond. This person can sympathize. And so you say, now, did you, did you have a chemo, this chemo? Yeah, yes. Did it make you sick? Yes. Made me very sick. So you're, 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 there's a sympathy. You understand I'm saying? Okay, listen to me. Listen, you maybe never thought that it. You can say to Jesus, I was tempted today in this area. Listen to what Jesus would say. I understand that. I understand, I was tempted in that area too. You gotta be kidding. Me. Did it make you feel like this? Yes, it made me feel just like that. Isn't that incredible? See, I'm, I'm gonna tell you something and you gotta get this, okay? If you don't get it, I'm gonna be upset with you. You gotta get this. The reason that it is wonderful That Jesus was a human is because he is sitting now on a throne of grace. And the reason it is a throne of grace is because the one sitting on it has been a human being. He's been a human. He understands. See, Satan has you convinced that you're worse than everyone else. I mean, you think about it. Nobody else does this. And nobody did it this week. I can guarantee you that. As a matter of fact, you are so bad, you should not even come to this church and sit among these holy people. That's the way Satan does. But Jesus says, no, 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 I understand that. I understand. I was tempted in that same area. So this is great news. So because he was a human, I'm going to take three huge areas of our lives and show you how Jesus understands and can relate to us in those three areas, all right? Here's number one, Jesus understands relationships. Isn't that a big area? Jesus understands relationships. Now, if you wanna go to Mark six, if you have a marker there, Mark chapter six, verse three, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? Now, I want you to remember that because it's odd that it doesn't say the son of Joseph. So we're gonna come back to that, all right? the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, four, four brothers, and are not his sisters, plural, here with us. So he had four brothers, we know, and at least two sisters. We don't know exactly how many sisters he had. The the Bible doesn't name them, but it does plural say sisters. Okay. So he had brothers and sisters. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus had brothers and sisters, listen, he understands. He knows what it's like for your brother to duct tape you to the bed, he understands. Or whatever type of tape they had back then, he understands. Oh, of course, you know, since it was Jesus, you know that all of the children got along perfectly. And you know that because of those of you who have children know that children get along perfectly with other children. <laughs> you don't think they ever had a fight? You don't think they, they ever got mad at each other? You don't think they ever got jealous or envious and, you know, hey, how about this? How many times do you think his brothers heard, why can't you be more like Jesus? And then you just wonder if he played any pranks on them, you know? You wonder if he's at the at the, at the uh, uh, swim, public swimming pool, and he's standing on top of the water. And he said, yeah, you can do it. Come on, come on. <laughs> I don't know. I just know he was a human. He understands what it's like to be single. If you're single, Jesus understands. I, I was talking about this one time. I was actually in a A marriage counseling situation, and this guy said to me, Jesus doesn't understand what it's like to be married. (laughs) And I said to him, oh, really? I said, would you like to think about that sentence before you say that? Are you telling me Jesus doesn't have a wife? Are you telling me you haven't read multiple references about the bride of Christ? And Revelation 21 it comes straight out and says, John says, the angel says to John, come, I will show you the lamb's wife. You don't think he knows what it's like to be married? I, I'll go you a step further. He knows what it's like for his spouse to be unfaithful. He knows. Someone when I was talking about this the other day said to me, well, he doesn't know what it's like to have children. I said, you want to think about that before you say it? (laughs) Jesus is God. God doesn't know what it's like to have children. How about this? He knows what it's like to have disobedient children. There's nothing that you can't talk to him about. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So why not talk to him? I guarantee you he understands. He understands what it's like to have a family. Look, 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 If you want to flip back a few pages from Mark 6, Mark chapter 3. That's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Mark 3, verse 31. Then his brothers and his mother came, and standing outside, they sent him calling him. And a multitude was sitting around him, and they said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered them saying, who is my mother or my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. Okay, let me just, let me just modern that, all right? Here's what happened, all right? They, they, he's teaching, and family comes, and they're calling him, and they said, Hey, your, your, your family's outside. Here's what he said That's not my family. <laughs> Those people, not my family. Y'all, my family. That's what he said. I, y'all, my family. I like y'all. Those are not my family. I just want to ask something Have you ever felt that way? Like your parents walk in the room, mm, wish they hadn't shown up now, or someone says, isn't that your brother over there, the one with the tape on his glasses and the pocket protector? No. <laughs> so, why'd he do this? Well, some people don't even know why he didn't go out to greet his family. All right, let me back up a little bit. Let me show you why he didn't go out to greet his family. Look at verse 21, Mark 3, 21. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying he is out of his mind. Okay, let me bring that up in modern day. He's crazy. He's crazy like a loon. He used to be a good carpenter. Now he walks around talking about demons. He thinks he's the Messiah. Okay, think about this. Has your family ever thought you were crazy? Listen, you could say, they think I'm crazy. I know. (laughs) That happened to me too. (laughs) They're the crazy ones. (laughs) I'm telling you, you can have the most fun, most intimate relationship with Jesus Christ because he was a human. He understands family relationships. He understands friend relationships. Remember, he had Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, close friends. Lazarus dies. He shows up. Mary and Martha said the exact same thing. You read it. Lord, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Okay, now that's the way we, we think that they said it. We think they said, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Okay, they might have said it like this. If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. We don't know how they said it. Yeah, someone said Martha probably did. <laughs> Mary probably said, Lord, if you'd been here. Martha said, if you'd have been here. <laughs> hey, he understands what it is like for all of your friends to desert you when you need them the most. He understands what it's like to be betrayed by a close friend. There is nothing... That's going on in your life that you can't talk to him about. He is a merciful and sympathetic high priest. So he understands relationships. Here's number two Jesus understands work. He understands work. He was a carpenter. We read that verse. He's a carpenter. Uh, My son Josh, my oldest son, when he got his first job, real job, you know, um, uh, he was about 15 years old. And after about a week or so, he came home and he was exhausted. And he was talking about it. And I I realized something. I realized he was shocked that they had asked him to work at work. (laughs) And so I said to him, son, that's why they call it work. If it was play… They had called it play or recess. It's not recess, son. It's work. I said, you know what you do at work? Work. Work. Okay. Jesus understood that. Listen, he was in uh, the marketplace longer than he was in the ministry. You ever thought about that? He probably started with his father when he was 12 years old. That's tradition. We don't know for sure probably when he was 12, and he worked till he's 30 as a carpenter, as a carpenter. Okay, you know, all the pictures of him, you know, he's got the long hair, you know, he's got the white robe. I want to see a picture of him with a t-shirt, jeans, and a tool belt. <laughs> That's what he looked like. He, he was a worker. He, he, when he showed up for work, he worked. He was a good worker. And he, here he is, this carpenter, and he's a laborer, and he's building things. And, and I don't mean to, I don't want to take anything away from modern-day carpenters, but he did not have a nail gun and a power saw. When he drove a nail, he drove the nail. He probably had pretty big biceps. Don't you think? I can remember one time my power saw broke. I only had to cut one board. About that far. That's it. I remember thinking, what am I going to do? And then I looked, and there was this thing hanging on my wall there that had a handle on one end and these teeth on. And I thought, that could probably cut a board. So I started sawing that board. I had to have two coffee breaks to finish one board. Jesus had calluses. You ever thought about that? He had blisters. Hey, he knows not only what it's like to be in the workforce, he knows what it's like to own your own business. He was a carpenter. He was in business for himself. (laughs) It was probably called father and son carpentry. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Works both ways. Okay. Hey, here you go. I got one for you. He knows what it's like to work for lost people who lie and cheat. To do business with lost people who lie and cheat. I got one better for you. He knows what it's like to do business with church people who lie and cheat. Uh Uh (laughs) That ever happened to you? Talk to Jesus. He knows what it's like to pay taxes. Too many taxes. (laughs) He knows. There's no, you can't, there's nothing about work you can't talk to him about. He understands. And here's the third one. Jesus understands pain. He understands pain. Here's the reason I brought this up. We talk about relationships and work, but we all go through pain. Now I'm going to just key in on two areas of pain, emotional and physical. We've all had these two areas in our lives. We've all had emotional pain. We've all had physical pain of some sort. Let me read you a couple of scriptures here. Isaiah 53, verse 3. Look at the emotional pain of this verse. He is despised. You ever been despised? That's emotional pain. He is despised and rejected by men. Rejected. A man of sorrows, that's emotions, and acquainted with grief. That's an emotion. Verse 5 says, here's physical pain. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. So he understood emotional and physical pain. Let me give you a little bit of this despised and rejected. He was despised. He was rejected. He was mocked because of his vocation. He was mocked because of his birth. He was called illegitimate. He was mocked because of his race. The sign they put over him on the cross was a derogatory remark, the king of the Jews. He understands what it means to be mocked and ridiculed. He was mocked on the cross. He was mocked until the last few minutes of his life. If you are the son of God, come down off that cross. Physical pain. I don't want to go into this too much, but but we know this. What some of us might not know is he was beaten by three different garrisons of guards. He was beaten by the Jewish guards, Herod's guards, and Pilate's guards. They beat him with their fists, the Bible says. They plucked the beard from his face. They pulled the beard out of his face. They beat him with rods. They put a crown of thorns on his head and drove it down on his his, uh, head. They scourged him, probably, we're not for sure, the Bible doesn't say, but probably it would have been 39 times. They nailed spikes in his hands and his feet and hung him on a cross until he died. This is a very difficult statement for me to make and it's a difficult statement for us to hear, but he was tortured to death. Our Lord was tortured to death until he died, tortured. So he understands pain. So the obvious question is, when are you gonna talk to him about your pain? Because he understands. And one other thing about emotional pain and about him being a human, you remember we read in Mark, it says, is this not the son of Mary? Matthew says the same thing, is this not the son of Mary? In another instance, it's when Jesus was teaching, and they said, who's teaching? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And John, this is totally different from the one where they tried to come and get him, this was a different time, but John records it this way. This is what the crowd said, is this not the son of Joseph? Now, that's important, because you have to see, many people realize this, John records the first two years of Jesus' ministry. Matthew and Mark, and Luke for that matter, Matthew and Mark record the third year of Jesus' ministry. John wrote uh, the book of John, the Gospel of John, years and years later. Actually, after all the disciples, the apostles had been martyred except for him. He re- writes it years later because he reads Matthew, Mark, and Luke's version, and, and they're good, but they only record the last year of his ministry. That's why in John, you have all these things that are not. In, you will not find them in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called synoptic gospels, similar gospels. You'll find the story over and over and over. John, though, you'll find things you'll ne- you won't find in Matthew and Mark. Elizabeth. John 2, the um, turning the water into wine. John 3, the conversation of Nicodemus. John 4, the woman at the well. John 5, the man pool of Bethesda. Uh, John 9, the blind man. John 11, Lazarus. Uh, you just go right through all these things in, in John. That they're, uh, because they, John records the first two years. Now, they'll all start with the birth. They all end up with the crucifixion. But the ministry part is what I'm talking about. Okay, so I want you to think about this. Matthew and Mark say, isn't this the son of Mary? They're recording the third year of his ministry. John's recording the first two years. Isn't this the son of Joseph? If you remember, John also records something that is not recorded in the other Matthew, Mark and Luke. And when Jesus is on the cross, he looks down at John and he points to his mother and he says, behold your mother. And he points to Mary and he says, behold your son. Remember, Jesus was the firstborn son. If Joseph, and from that day, it says from that day, Mary went home to live with John. Okay, she wouldn't have gone home to live with John if Joseph had still been alive. Here's what I'm telling you. Historical documents of the day record that Joseph died in the third year of Jesus' ministry. You want me to tell you how much Jesus understands? Have you ever lost someone? He understands. Now, here's something amazing, too. Do you realize, this was during his ministry. This was, was it when he was a carpenter? This was during his ministry. He could have raised his father from the dead. But he didn't. And I personally believe that he didn't raise his father from the dead because he wanted to experience the death of a loved one so that he could be a sympathetic high priest. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to just take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit, please do this. Please don't let this become a tradition for us. Just, it's important. I would ask, you know, we have uh, two of our elders sitting on the front row. I want them to do it too. I want everybody to do it. What's God saying to me? Just ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me through this message? Every week, God wants to speak to us through His Word. Not just teach us principles in the Word, but apply those to our lives. So what is God saying to you right now? And then take the week. Maybe listen to the message again. Maybe review your notes. Maybe during your quiet time one morning, say, God, what are you saying to me? i tell you one thing that all of us should be saying sometime this week. Thank you. Thank you that you became a human being. And that you understand everything I'm going through. And I can talk to you about it. Thank you, Jesus. We, we want to pray for you you're going through any type of a difficulty, and you know, when I say that, I'm sure most of us are. But if you need prayer for any area of your life, we want to pray for you at every campus. If you're in an overflow room, in just a moment, we're going to have one more worship song. We always end our service this way. It's important. The service isn't over until that worship song's over, until you're dismissed from the pastor that dismisses you. The reason we say that is because people are are being ministered to by the Holy Spirit during this time. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, maybe some I named, relationships, work, pain, family, health, finances, I don't know. If you need prayer for any area, as soon as we stand up at every campus, you just simply stand up and step out and come to the front of the campus or the overflow room where you are and let us pray for you, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person that has a prayer needed, every campus in Jesus' name, amen.